the Truth News Network. Prices out of control, threatening an end of fossil fuels, orphaning 400 million cars, millions of trucks, airplanes. Are we having fun yet? Every tick of the clock promising more misery as we bankrupt the middle class. Life as written by Harlan Ellison. Shake your head, take a deep breath, because you're with TN, the Truth News Network. And with some light, here's Dan Newman. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Friday. Welcome to TNN Live, where we will we will attempt to unpack a bunch of what is out there in the open news world. And, of course, that has to do with our president. He, uh, Wednesday and yesterday. Wednesday and yesterday, got out and just began to trash everybody who disagrees with him. I've got a situation here with the mic volume thing. I apologize for that. But what the president is doing is he is now doubling down on things that he has known and the Republican party has known and his Democrat handlers have known and it was a concerted plan that you've seen roll out Wednesday and Thursday. There's there's hardcore decisions that have been made about how they think they have any hope of winning these midterm elections, the Democrats. And so what do they have to do? They found out through nine months of exhaustive focus groups and research that the only way, the only hope they have of winning is to just go full bore anti-conservatism and attack, attack, attack. And they're just getting started. I got to be honest with you. I warned you. I warned everybody that this next couple of years is going to be some of the worst years that we have seen ever in politics. You got that? Ever in politics. Why is that? Because the Democrat Party, they know. They have very little hope of uh, protecting their margins, their majorities in both houses of Congress. Of course, Joe Biden will be around, but if you don't have a Congress that will agree with you and have a majority so you can can just guarantee every piece of legislation you send over there, they're going to pass. If you don't have that, the Democrats are dead in the water. This is desperation. Well, listen, everybody in the media is talking about this. We've got a bunch of liberal leftist media outlets that they are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is not what Joe Biden campaigned on. He campaigned on being the uniter-in-chief, not the divider-in-chief. And he certainly is proving to be the divider-in-chief now. And this is all planned out. It's all conservative. So what I want to do, I want to wade into it. Um, And I want to look at the Wednesday stuff first. Okay? Jesse and Carl Rove, Fox News contributor, they weighed in and they gave us exactly what Joe was doing on Wednesday. It was one of the dumbest things ever said by a presidential nominee. You can put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. (laughs) Right? So 
are racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. Joe Biden had his own deplorable moment today when he came out and called the entire MAGA movement fascists, saying this. What we're seeing now is the beginning or the death knell of an extreme MAGA philosophy. It's not just Trump. It's the entire philosophy that underpins the, I'm going to say something, it's like semi-fascism. 74 million people voted for Trump. They're all fascists, according to Joe Biden. That's not going to help in the midterms. Well, uh, to, to think about the people who voted for Donald Trump, 72,216,000. Uh, they voted for him because he stood for tax cuts, because he, he had worked for to make America energy independent. He believed in limited government and had put in place sensible, limited regulations. He had been for a strong national defense, rebuilding our military after eight years of, of uh, the Obama-Biden administration. He believed in secure borders and building the wall. He believed in law and order when our cities were in flames, and he appointed conservative judges. And that's a semi-fascist philosophy. Look, we can have disagreements with the previous president. I, I disagree with his lack of action on January 6th. But the idea that, the, that his successor would come in and denounce him and denounce the ideas that he stands for as semi-fascist is, is just beyond the pale. Explain and, and, to the and, audience the definition of fascism and what it means. Well, fa fascism, fascism is an authoritarian regime that uh, was exemplified by Benito Mussolini in Italy, the, uh, and, and who was a running buddy of Adolf Hitler, and uh, who himself was a fascist. And, uh, you know, this is particularly egregious, giving the remarks made on a cold January morning, about just afternoon of January 20th, 2021, when Joe Biden said, my whole soul is in this, bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. And how can we do that? He said, we can see each other not as adversaries, but as neighbors. We can, can, we can treat each other with dignity and respect. And he was the president who set that tone. That was what he exemplified in the campaign. Vote for me and I will unite the nation. And those words, which were, uh, you know, kind, emotional, uplifting, optimistic words, he, he, he went to Montgomery County, Maryland, to a Democratic National Committee fundraiser and, and basically said everything against what he had said in his inauguration address. The pledge that he made to unite the country he, he, he threw it in the trash bin. And why did he do that? Because he wants to win in this election and he is willing to say and do anything in order to achieve his purpose. So let's take 72,216,000 Americans and denounce them as believing in a fascist movement. Karl Rove couldn't have put it better. He couldn't have explained exactly what happened on Wednesday any better than you just heard there. So... There are different perspectives about it. And I always want to respect anybody's opinion, even when they disagree with me. I mean, that's what the First Amendment is all about. We all have the right to say whatever it is we want to say, even if we disagree or even if it's dead wrong. People have a constitutional right here in the United States to be dead wrong. But listen, there's never been a president that has handled anything like this. Never. I mean, this is a 180-degree turn by Joe Biden. He doesn't have a, 
the intellectual ability to make that turn. His handlers, whoever they are, somebody has put him on this path, and it's 180 degrees from where he was when he was campaigning. You heard Karl Rove say that at the end of that conversation he had with Jesse. Interesting. Interesting. Getting perspectives. So Jesse and Carl called him out. Um, let's listen to some others that called him out for the Wednesday debacle. President Biden drawing severe criticism today. He kicked off his midterm push at a DNC event in Maryland yesterday, back from vacation. It was a build as a unity rally. Interesting name because he decided to attack half of the country. I respect conservative Republicans. I don't respect these MAGA Republicans. The MAGA Republicans don't just threaten our personal rights and economic security. They're a threat to our very democracy. They refuse to accept the will of the people. MAGA Republicans don't have a clue about the power of women. Trump and the extreme MAGA Republicans have made their choice to go backwards, full of anger, violence, hate, and division. But we've chosen a different path. Forward. Ah, so that's the great uniter, and he <laughs> indeed has chosen a very different path from January 20th of 2021. Joe Concha, listen to how he sounded then. All right. History, faith, and reason show the way, the way of unity. We can see each other not as adversaries, but as neighbors. We can treat each other with dignity and respect. We can join forces stop the shouting and lower the temperature for without unity there is no peace only bitterness and fury so there is a stark difference between what you just heard from joe biden and what we heard on wednesday and he doubled and tripled and quadrupled down on it last night you're going to hear some analysis about last night in just a few minutes but i thought it would be appropriate and smart for us to just do a little poll of um, our foreign allies, our friends in Australia and Sky News. They, too, listened to the press conference in Maryland on Wednesday, and they had a little different um, conclusion than most of us over here. Why? Because they're Australians. Their politics are a little bit different than ours. And they all, this is an example, what you're about to hear, is an example of how other people on earth look at the United States when this kind of stuff is going on. There is nothing worse than a politician down in the polls using fear as a mechanism to drive voters to the polls. Today, Joe Biden gave a disturbing press conference, which, in my opinion, divided the nation along ideological lines at a time when unity should be our primary focus. We're all called by duty and conscience to confront extremists who put their own pursuit of power above all else. Democrats, independents, mainstream Republicans, we must be stronger, more determined, and more committed to saving American democracy than MAGA Republicans are to destroying American democracy. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Now, progressive journalists across America will unflinchingly regurgitate those lines, which liken all Trump supporters to terrorists and extremists, 
and alienate those people stuck between two political spectrums. Now, make no mistake, Biden's speech was radical and dangerous, and it definitely heightened tensions. And it was a clear strategy to rally support for the midterms and carried the stench of a man worried his grip of power is loosening. Every journalist should be criticising him for such inflammatory and unnecessary language. Unfortunately, I expect many would rather the tactic works and helps Biden retain the House. Rather than report fearlessly, my fear is they will simply turn a blind eye. Sophie, um, the speech, um, it was definitely emotive. It was definitely powerful. And I'm no big supporter or fan of Donald Trump, but I did find it disturbing. I did think it was divisive. Do you think that this was an intentional media tactic? Or do you think that this was his principles coming out? Well, I think this shows uh, a president that's desperate by wheeling out these lines of desperation and attacking Donald Trump. And what we have in America is largely a media contingency that are his fan base. So they rarely call out issues with him. Uh, and I think this presents a lot of problem for American voters. Uh, you will not see a lot of critique of this because Joe Biden effectively has a media cheer squad behind him. But this reeks of desperation to me. And there was obviously a, a clear motive of him to get this messaging out, circulate in the media and try and uh, cause issues ahead of the midterms. I mean, that's blind Freddie could see that. Gideon, there was a time where journalists on the left would, would defend um, against journalists who would use fear-mongering for political power. Has that time ended? I think the most important thing about this story is it discloses that so many journalists, uh, so-called so progressive journalists, are willing to go along with what is effectively declaring war on half of the country, on 70 million people who voted for Donald Trump, uh, that are willing to overlook this gross... Uh, erosion, uh, corrosion of American democracy because it suits their particular narrative. Uh, I think this is probably the most disturbing speech I've seen out of any, uh, certainly in the US, in my entire life. I think this is a sign that the US could be at this, in, in civil war by the end of the decade. I think sadly, and I say this as a millennial who's grown up his entire life uh, enjoying the very best of the fruits of uh, the era of the US-based order and US supremacy, a, shown of, a sign of civilizational twilight uh, in, in America. Uh, this should have every journalist, journalists who are supposed to value free speech in mm. open debate, in genuine democracy, not just saying democracy is when people vote the way we like, uh, they should be yelling from the rooftops that this is uh, not on and this is a very, very, very toxic element in American discourse. The fact that do they don't uh, shows how far gone uh, certain parts of the media are in the US and indeed around the world. Yeah, and I don't even know if it's if it's going to work because, in my opinion, the, the best way of... of of combating bad ideas is just more discourse. And this feels like a way to, to, to limit the discourse and intentionally mark anybody that voted for him as being, uh, quite honestly, a threat to democracy was effectively what he was saying. I think it was a very poor decision and very dangerous. So that's not Fox News. That's not uh, Tucker Carlson. Um, it's not somebody on the hard right that is picking up these really negative things that we're seeing in Joe Biden. Now, let me, let me tell you how politics works in this situation. When you see, and we've talked about this, we've actually played examples of it. 
In fact, we had one television network that had over 60 stations, and we played a montage of all of the anchors. They were all rolled into this montage, and they were all using the exact same lines about the exact same stories, saying the exact thing. In other words, it was scripted. Nothing the Democrats do is fly by the seat of your pants. Everything they say, every uh, policy that they present, and they begin to tout it, it's all coordinated. It's all planned. What we are hearing now from this president is a planned operation. It literally came from people sitting around tables during the last nine months. The term ultra MAGA, when they reference, when he references Trump supporters, that was researched. That was planned. That was researched, focus researched, market researched, and that resonated with people that hate Trump. So, if it, you know, as, as you heard Carl Rove say earlier, he had problems with Donald Trump. I had problems with some of the Trump stuff. That's because we're Americans. That's because we have the right to have varying opinions. And so you heard those people from Sky News down there pretty much feel the same way. Of course, they went after their fellow media here in the United States, and they can't imagine a scenario where the media would be 100% in the tank. Maybe not 100, maybe 98% in the tank and are ready and willing to spread not the news of things going on in this administration, but what the administration wants them to say. So, in all of the definitions of the title that Joe has decided to give 72 million Americans, that's the minimum. It's going to be more than that. It'll be over 100 million because a lot of Republicans, a lot of people that like Trump and would like to see Trump back in politics didn't vote. Many of them couldn't. They're not old enough. So what he did was label and brand every person that disagrees with his philosophy and the Democrat Party's plans semi-fascist. Now, what in the heck is semi-fascist? I know what fascist and fascism means. What's semi? Maybe he'll explain that to us in his next round of uh, beat up on Trump and Trump supporters. But I thought it was salient. Before you're going to hear Tucker Carlson in just a moment, he will wrap up the consensus of where I feel Joe Biden is from the speech last night. But what is fascism? The left have always been willing to call Donald Trump a fascist, a dictator, wannabe, whatever, labeled that way. But I think Americans need to awaken to see what they are pushing. What is fascism? Well, let me give you three definitions, three parts of the same definition. Fascism is a system of government marked by centralization of authority under a dictator. A capitalist economy subject to stringent government controls. 
violent suppression of the opposition and typically a policy of belligerent nationalism and racism. That was the first definition. Second one, a political philosophy or movement based on or advocating such a system of government. And number three, oppressive dictatorial authoritarian control by one person or a small group. Now, let me, let me just say this before we listen to Tucker. Let me just say this. Did any of those three definitions that I just gave to you, did any of those sound or seem anything like what we saw the way Donald Trump was going to be president when he was president? We watched him for four years. Did he even do anything or try to do anything that was marked by centralization of authority under a dictator? Did he try to do any of that stuff? No. But listen, they have to make somebody, somebody on the other side, the boogeyman. And Donald Trump was the perfect foil for them. They spent four years branding him, attacking him, and they didn't get in so much to attacking his supporters like Hillary Clinton did in that basket of deplorables thing that'll haunt her to, till she goes to her grave. They're desperate. Desperation just reeks in all of this. So Tucker Carlson, as you know, he's very vociferous. He's loud. He's very, ma- very matter-of-fact, and you never wonder, you never question what Tucker Carlson thinks about anything or anybody. This is his analysis of last night. I want you to listen, obviously, to everything you hear from Joe Biden in this in this soundbite, but I want you to listen to the tenor of Tucker Carlson and how he sound sounded last night. We made fun of it at the top of the show because we didn't really know how else to respond, but Joe Biden really has crossed over into a very dangerous, very dangerous place. Tonight, he declared in a speech in Philadelphia that anyone who disagrees with him is a threat to the country. Here's part of what Biden said. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic, that the Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country. Yeah, they're a threat, says the guy with the blood-red Nazi background and Marines standing behind him. It's a complete outrage that this is being sanctioned as a White House event. In other words, that this is the approved position of our government. It's totally immoral. And then the guy who encouraged riots in 2020 accused MAGA Republicans of somehow threatening the rule of law in the United States. Watch this. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. They do not believe in the rule of law. They do not recognize the will of the people. They refuse to accept the results of a free election. And they're working right now, as I speak, in state after state, to give power to decide elections in America to partisans and cronies 
empowering election deniers to undermine democracy itself. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country. This is truly nuts and threatening to the future of the United States. It's hard to believe he just did that, but he did. The Democrats have this this method, this tool that they have taken control of almost unilaterally in uh, political discourse. And it basically says the substance of what somebody says is not necessary in a political setting. You can say anything and you should say anything to demean your opponents. And whatever you look at what you're doing wrong, what you want to do is you want to brand your opponent with doing those things that you're really doing. You just heard President Biden say that the MAGA people don't believe in the rule of law, don't believe in the Constitution. Who he was talking about in reality is the left wing of the Democrat Party. The rule of law, oh my gosh, Joe Biden and everybody in his administration every day trample the rule of law at our southern border. And that's just one example. The employment, the jobs report came out this morning. 300,000, a little over 300,000 people went back to work. Now, of course, they will take, um, they'll take the, uh, the good of that and they will brandish it and they'll brag about all these new jobs they've created when they're not new jobs. They're just people going back to work that they put on the sidelines during the pandemic, unnecessarily shutting the nation down. Politist speak is rampant across Washington, D.C. And I've taught you here at TNN Live, whenever in politics anything contentious is being discussed, you can almost every time in every instance, whatever you hear said, the screaming and hollering and pointing fingers at the opposition, whatever they claim, you can almost always be confident that they're guilty of what they're pointing to their opponents and claiming they're doing. Why do they do that? Deflect. Lie and deflect. Never accept blame. Never accept blame for anything bad. And always take credit for anything and everything that's good. Listen, we're going to go to a break. If anybody out there wants to call and weigh in on this, we'd love to hear from you. 1-866-37-TRUTH. We're going to take this first break, but we're not through with this. We're going to come back and go into it a little deeper on the other side. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gopperts from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the french fries. 
Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy. The white, round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks? Fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. <gasps> We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert. They're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Oh, oh, are we at the gas station? Oh. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. <laughs> Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. When a governor can tell a president, no rally in my state, it's time for some definitive truth. Here with the goods, again, Dan Newman. Well, one thing uh, I can I can say honestly is there's no hiding it any longer. Democrats made it very clear in the last two days, if we didn't already know, we suspected it, but they made it very clear that they're coming after anybody and everybody that disagrees with their particular policies. Eddie's with us now. Eddie, um, have you kept up with all this mess? Hey, hang on just a second. I don't, I, I, uh, now, are you there? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't have you popped up there. Um, yeah, you, you've, you've listened and watched it all, haven't you? Well, you know, let me start with, um, 40 years ago, 40 years ago, 40, well, plus years ago. I started learning about this phrase called the New World Order and One World Government. Yeah. And it, it really struck a chord with me. And I went and started reading, doing research, books, and everything I was reading just sounded nuts. It just sounded far-fetched. It sounded like, you know, a, a science fiction movie or something. So, but as time went on, it, it started ringing true. And then, of course, Debbie and I, I'm retired Air Force. And when we left in 84 going to England, when we got there, everything we had been reading about and learning, now we're seeing it starting to manifest in England. 
And we spent three years in England, left there, went to Germany for four years. When I left England going to Germany, we had to have passports and papers and go through checkpoints and all that. And to, to kind of bring it all into a summation, I knew that all of my studying that one day the Berlin Wall was going to have to come down. And on November of 1989, well, actually about three weeks before that, Debbie and I were, were talking with the base chaplain and all. We were talking about the Berlin Wall and it, having to come down because that would start the process, the wheels really turning of a one world government. And they laughed at me and they said, not in our lifetime, that wall will never come down. Well, three weeks later, we wake up and the wall is coming down. So I knew at that point, the wheels are turning. And when we left Germany in 91, coming back to the States, we didn't have to have passports. You could get in your car and drive from Germany to France, to Spain, to Italy, and no checkpoints, any of that. So I knew wheels were turning. But, you know, the thing that bum-fuzzled me, and that, that's actually in the dictionary, um, was the fact that how were they going to really bring all of this about? Well, we have watched over the last 20 years and we have seen them slowly, progressively and progressiveness eroding away. And I agree 100% that what I saw last night, first of all, when he started talking and they turned the red lights on and the silhouettes of those military uh, Marines, I thought this is, this is just evil. And I listened to his speech. I listened to it again this morning because there are a lot of things that you don't catch. And it just, as a retired Air Force member, um, serving our country, taking an oath to defend and uphold the Constitution, and then he accusing me of trying to destroy this country, being a terrorist, it just flew all over me. Well, I think what, uh, I think what we're watching, Eddie, is we're watching them uh, just ditch the cloak of mystery. You know, we've we've all pretty well known what was hiding and what their intent was. Something something flipped, and a new switch is on, and their whole philosophy now must be go all in on just taking over and getting control of everything and everybody. Now. How long is that yeah. process going to take? Uh, are they going to be successful? All those questions are out there to be answered. Um, the sad thing is, I don't think a lot of Americans watched last night. I think there is a uh, kind of a, a blanket over the nation. And not everybody subscribes to this thing, but a lot of people are just looking for a way to not have to deal with with another thing in their lives. They have so much going on now. Things are not really good for most people in the United States, economically, especially right now. And it's not getting better. Those things are typically the things that dominate our considerations and what we spend our time thinking about. And so when you have politicians 
on the television or radio pontificating about things. You just kind of, uh, in a fog that you're in, you just kind of maybe, okay, okay, yeah, what are we going to do to get bread this week? That kind of thing. And I think they, they sense the same thing, and they're taking this particular opportunity to, if not do it, and when I say do it, I'm talking about Nike, go all the way and do it right now. Maybe they're not at that point now, but they're putting their foot in the water to find out how cold or how hot the water is to check the reactions to see should they go full bore right now or just make a bunch of noise and uh, they're going to lose the the House in the midterm, maybe the Senate, but I think particularly the House, and then just go full bore and uh, they're not going to have to do it through legislation. Whatever it is and what it's going to look like, they're doing plenty right now with executive orders. They've tested that water and they're getting away with bypassing uh, Congress on so many things already. I think there is a surreptitious plan to take control of every part of the media and do it quickly. Do it quickly. Yes. That's exactly what Hitler did in Germany. Joseph Goebbels. Yep. He was the guy. They put together this plan. There was no television very little radio at that particular time. People got their news from newspapers. Right. And Goebbels went in there and went to every newspaper. And he said, look, here's where we are. We're going to give you the news to report every day. And if they refuse to do it, they shut them down. Exactly. But the top, the people at the top, were the ones that put out all of the information to all of the people in Germany. That's how... Very quietly, they were able to slaughter 6 million Jews. And it's probably more than that. Right. But they saw it work. The Democrats now, they saw it work back in World War II. So why not just give it a whirl right now? And that's what they're doing. They're laying it out there. Well, you know, one one thing that I know that happened back in 08 was that the Bilderbergers held a conference in Maryland in a resort and they run everybody out of the resort and about halfway through the meeting there was two individuals that were called to this meeting Barack Hussein Obama and Hillary Clinton they were told Barack is going in for eight and Hillary will follow and if you remember if you go back and check and look um, Hillary and Obama were neck and neck in the polls. And then right after that, the media started dropping her numbers and elevating him. Yes. So he, he goes in for eight and he's now look, all of, all of this has been going on since 1913 when Woodrow Wilson signed the federal reserve act. But Obama to me was, was the key that really put the car into motion the things that they were doing through him to lay uh, pillars and, and get things ready. And then she was going to come in and do the finishing work. But all of a sudden this orange man comes out of nowhere and wins the election and throws everything out of kilter. Now, personally, my belief is God put John, uh, 
Donald Trump in the office to expose what's going on. Just make it plain black and white in your face. And uh, we've got it. (laughs) He showed it to us. Oh, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And, you know, and God is a God of mercy, and he gives everybody a chance. He gives everybody an opportunity. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say the Republicans or the angels, and they're going to save our country, but he exposed the, the truth that darkness was running the country. So they spent the four years while Donald Trump is in there trying to defame him and are still trying to do it. And I feel like personally they right now are trying to make up for lost time. Um, Hillary was going to come in and she was going to just put the finishing screws in. Well, they so are- now they're having to make up for those four years that the orange man <laughs> Uh, messed up their playhouse. They are definitely putting some kind of plan in place. There's no question about it. Um, right. I, I, I got to ask you this question. You said you're an Air Force retiree. Yes. You're a military guy. I, from your yes. perspective, do you really think that at some point we may be looking at a real civil war here in the United States? You know, honestly, I pray it doesn't happen, but you have to look at history. History does repeat itself. And the American people understand that the Second Amendment was not given so guys could go hunting deer on Saturday morning. They did that anyway. Our founding fathers came from tyranny. They came from dictatorship. They came from the rule of thumb on the back of the neck. And they understood that man is corrupt. The heart of man is dark. And they understood that if we're going to be free, then people are going to have to have the rights to defend themselves. Now, do well, first of all, when I went into the military, I took an oath to defend and uphold the Constitution of the United States of America which involved me possibly going into a country and be given a gun and shoot somebody. Now, the word that I'm hearing on the street from a lot of people is what they're trying to do right now is antagonize us to, to go to the streets, to, to create violence, to create burning build businesses and things. But the word on the street is don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't take the bait. That's exactly what they want. So do you think, do you think um, if that would happen, uh, that they would treat that just like they treated, you know, the destruction of Minneapolis two years ago, two summers ago? Uh, oh, absolutely. They sure. They, they let us just run amok. Absolutely. <laughs> they didn't do anything then. Black Lives Matter. Oh, no. now, all they did was raise a couple of hundred million dollars that uh, they'd blown. And we're not hearing very much now about where that investigation is going. But, no. but listen, seriously, do you think we may be looking at some kind of war in the streets, it would. I, I. I don't think if it happens, 
it would be everywhere at once. I think it would be begin in these large cities. Yes. If yes, I, I I believe that what they're trying to do now is create that scenario so that they can postpone or cancel November the second or the the election in November. Now that's been my personal opinion since January the first of this year that they're going to do something stupid, just really, really stupid so that they can declare martial law. And once they do that, then we're in trouble. Um, That's just my personal opinion from what I'm observing. So you're looking very closely at November 8th. You don't, you you don't think it'll happen. We, we, you think they're going to try to keep it from happening. That that's my personal perspective. And I've, I've heard other radio talk show hosts implement the same thing that, and, and I've, I came up with this in January. I mean, it's just my feeling from observing them. They have, they have no care for human life. I mean, when they can abort a baby as it comes out of the mother's womb, then that shows us they have no respect for human life. So in order to get what they want, if it has to revert to violence and we've seen it, then I don't put it past them. Eddie, I really appreciate you listening. I certainly appreciate you calling in today. And I guess all we can do, my friend, is just stay on our knees and pray for God to straighten this mess out. Absolutely. Have a great one. Thank you, Dan. Wow. Can you imagine a scenario in which we could actually see guns in the streets of America? I certainly hope it doesn't come to that because a couple of times of late in the Second Amendment debates, Joe Biden has actually made the comments, you can't take on an army. You've got your guns. You need F-15s to beat this army. I mean, he said that a couple of times. So what that tells me is in his world, it's at least being discussed. And he's just parroting what he probably heard in some uh, office somewhere. And it may even be in the White House. Last night, Uh, Let me just give you a couple of things that will blow you away. He said the word democracy 31 times during that speech last night. 31 times the word democracy. His remarks touched on the dangers former President Donald Trump and his supporters posed to democracy. Here's what he said at the end of his speech. I believe the soul is the breath, the life, and the essence of who we are. The soul is what makes us, us. The soul of America is defined by the sacred proposition that all are created equal in the image of God, that all are entitled to be treated with decency, dignity, and respect. By the way, those are nowhere in the Declaration of Independence or in the Constitution, a guarantee that we'll be treated with decency, dignity, and respect. What we all did get promised is that there would be equal justice under the law. Not the ability for 
uh, fascist, and I'll just go ahead and say it, the ability for fascists to reach down and arbitrarily decide which laws the people's representatives in government put in place, and that person or persons has sole authority to either enforce or not to enforce. That's what is happening in the Biden administration. He said that all deserve justice and a shot at lives of prosperity and consequence. There is nowhere in our documents that guarantees prosperity for anybody. What it guarantees is the unfettered right to pursue what you want to pursue, knowing that your government is not going to interfere. His final words before stepping away from the podium were, democracy, thank you. Two Marines stood nearby and a red light was projected on a brick wall in the background. It was very spooky. He told listeners that the people he described as MAGA Republicans are a threat to the nation and American democracy. In his speech, Biden called for Americans to unite behind the single purpose of defending our democracy regardless of your ideology. That is, unless your ideology happened to be that of a Republican who voted for and might again vote for Donald Trump. In a social media post last night, conservative activist Scott Pressler said this, Joe Biden is inciting violence against MAGA Republicans. His consistent and constant dehumanization of conservatives is clearly identified as terrorism. When we are assaulted for our beliefs, Joe Biden will have another impeachable offense among his other crimes. And once again, I'm going to say this. They point to the 2020 election and the fact that a lot of Republicans, millions of Republicans, still feel confident that the voting results were manipulated. And no matter what Joe Biden said about these Republicans trying to uh stifle the voting capability of people and suppress the vote right now, these legislatures around the nation, despite of those claims, and despite the claims that there was no cheating in the 2020 election, it is documented in courts now around the nation. Ten states have come forward and admitted there was vote cheating, voter fraud, in the 2020 election, and they're taking they're taking all of the requirements necessary to stop it from happening again. And because they're doing that, Joe Biden is calling them fascist. No, excuse me, semi-fascist. And that doing that is an attack on democracy? Oh, by the way, I wonder if he knows this nation is not a, demo- a Democrat-founded nation. It's not at all. It's a representative republic. Democracy is here, but the way democracy is supposed to be handled is not from Washington, D.C. It's supposed to be handled in your house, in your office, in your town, in your city. 
Why could we do that? How would we have the authority to do that? The United States government, as it was founded, is to be government of the people. Government of the people. Not government of the White House. That's where this administration is today. And what you think and what you feel, forget about it. They want, and they're at the beginning, of actually taking actions to take away your rights to speak if it's in opposition, to do anything if it's in opposition, or they simply think, ah, you shouldn't be doing that. So we're going we're gonna to prosecute you if you do. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high-fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're at Pilgrim, please make a decision. The I'm crazy hungry, so she's got to be too. Slide through the Mickey D's drive-thru to get a Big Mac. Right after I order her quarter pounder with cheese, because I don't know everything, but I do know what my girl's feeling hangry meal. Get it at McDonald's when you buy one of your faves, like the Big Mac, quarter pounder with cheese, 10-piece chicken McNuggets, or filet of fish, and get another for just a dollar. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid on item of equal or lesser value. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. So you heard how people down under feel about what they heard out of our president last night. That, of course, was Sky News down in Australia. They were pretty upset, and uh, they were shocked that President Biden said the stuff that he said. And we know it's already out in his administration. We're going to hear this incessantly till the election of 2024. His White House press secretary yesterday, Karine Jean-Pierre, insinuated that Americans who don't agree with the majority are extreme and insisted that President Biden's soul of the nation speech will be optimistic and not political. Boy, did she miss that. 
She said the president will balance his attacks on extreme MAGA Republicans and the threat to democracy in that address last night. His remarks 10 weeks before the midterms will push for voter participation in a bid to keep Democrats in control of Congress and will target the wing of the GOP he is compared to semi-fascist. She said, now, she's telling us or warning us what he was going to speak about. She said the president will talk about protecting freedom and that those who don't agree are extreme. When you're not where the majority of Americans are, then you know that is extreme. That is an extreme way of thinking, she said. She cited those who are pushing for a full ban on abortions, no exceptions, and those who attack democracy and incite calls for violence as examples. She said his speech will be optimistic in tone and not political. It's not a political speech. Everything she said yesterday, listen, listen to what I'm telling you. It's part of a process that is ahead. Now, what are you talking about, Dan? If you don't agree with the majority, you are extreme. They've made it personal now. In other words, if you don't agree with us, you're extreme. That's exactly what Hitler did in Germany and the ramp up to what happened in World War II. He didn't just walk in and just take over the nation. He had been there growing in support for his philosophies. He came through the military. And this took 10 years to develop. But the way that he began to take over was he began to do what we just heard last night, talking about the majority and anybody that is not the majority, you're extreme. Now, it used to be if you were extreme in anybody's opinion, you're being extreme, it was okay. I disagreed with you. I didn't like it. But this is the United States of America. You have a First Amendment. You have a Second Amendment. And you have the right to be in the minority, and that's not extreme, it's called democracy. They're up there saying Donald Trump wants to attack democracy. They are setting the stage with this speech and what she said. Americans who don't agree with the majority are extreme. Now, how would that turn into anything but just a speech? setting a stage to justify removing people who are extreme from mainstream living in America. Every country on the planet that has tried to be democratic and fails at some point in their history, when they go back, this is step number one to going back to totalitarianism fascism is to denigrate the dissenting opinion of the government they're trying to establish. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to make you think and understand this isn't just a fly by night thing that we were watching. 
This is a very sinister, well-planned, long-time thought-out process. And what we heard Wednesday and what we heard last night are just the first two steps. Tucker Carlson blasted Biden for attacking Donald Trump's supporters, claiming Biden lost all sense of proportion and restraint. Fascist. That's what the other side is says Joe Biden, an American president, comparing tens of millions of his own people to the moral monsters we shot and bombed and later hung from the gallows in World War II. The children and grandchildren of Americans who died fighting the Nazis are now themselves Nazis, says Joe Biden. Why? If they vote Republican. It's hard to believe that any U.S. president would say something like that in private, but Joe Biden just did. And later, he said it in private first, and he said it at a high school gym. He said it again. It was all so crazy and over-the-top, yes, extreme. You couldn't believe the White House press office would try to defend it. Would have been better to announce that Biden must have had a stroke, apologize, and then move on. The White House seemed completely unashamed of what he said. Biden's history-making publicist, the single dumbest person ever to hold that job, explained that her boss had spoken intentionally and with precision. He called it what it is, she said, meaning Joe Biden called Republicans what they are, Nazis, he said. So next question. There's a, there's a tie between what we are seeing now, this week. There is a tie back to the events of the raid of Mar-a-Lago two weeks ago. That was a first step. They're going to do everything within their power to make sure Donald Trump doesn't have an opportunity to go back to the White House. And I got to be honest with you, I don't think they are limiting themselves to doing it through political conversation. It wouldn't surprise me if something happened to him. And I'm not saying Joe Biden is going to do anything to knock Donald Trump off. But as we've seen, when leaders get up, and go after, I mean nastily go after their political opponents, often, not rarely, often people that are enraged, they're supporters of these people, and they're enraged by the anger that is exhibited against whoever, and people will go try to kill these people that these politicians are pointing to and saying they're evil. We had a man travel across the country and his absolute purpose for going to Washington, D.C. was to kill the conservative justices on the U.S. Supreme Court. That guy acted on the rhetoric that he was hearing from some others. So this, uh, I mean, this is all out in the open now, folks. It's not secret. I got to be honest with you, I will be shocked if their plan is not to aggressively, forcefully, if necessary, take total control of the government, kicking the people 
out of the U.S. Constitution. That's my opinion. I have felt it in my spirit for more than a year, more than two years. It is not any longer quietly being happen. Happen. They're in our faces now. So last night, Biden said that Republican political leaders were not only predicting, but calling for rioting in the streets. That was a lie. No Republican leader has called for violence. Biden again apparently misquoted Senator Lizzie Graham. Biden delivered an inflammatory address at Independence Hall in Philadelphia on Thursday evening in which he described MAGA Republicans as enemies of democracy. In the course of portraying his political opponents as violent extremists, Biden says this, quote, there are public figures today, yesterday and the day before, predicting and all but calling for mass violence and rioting in the streets. It seems like he was referring to comments made by Lindsey Graham warning that there could be riots if the Department of Justice indicts Trump. Earlier this week, he accused Lindsey Graham saying it was appropriate to use violence. Democrats in the media have in recent days over a warning by Senator Lindsey Graham who said in a recent interview, if they try to prosecute President Trump for mishandling classified information after Hillary Clinton set up a server in her basement, there literally will be riots in the street. But warning that there might be unrest over a double standard in law enforcement, as there was with Democrat support throughout 2020, it's not the same thing as saying that violence is necessary or appropriate. It is, at best, a wild exaggeration to claim that Lindsey Graham was actually advocating for violence. From the mouth of President of the United States, that claim is arguably inflammatory in and of itself as it may be used to justify violence by Democrats. Now, Graham doubled down. He came back and he clarified what he said. I'm going to quote, the senator. What I said Sunday was Americans reject and I reject violence, but I also reject the double standard here. So if they try to prosecute President Trump for mishandling classified info after the Clinton debacle when she was Secretary of State, people in this country will lose lose face in law enforcement. I reject violence, but Mr. President, you need to talk to the Vice President of the United States about bailing out rioters. Doesn't that encourage violence? I can't find a place where a single Republican leader has called for violence. House Minority Leader Representative Kevin McCarthy of California, who's leading the party's midterm campaign push, gave a speech earlier Thursday encouraging Republicans to vote in the November election. Biden's speech was too much, even for some, at left-leaning CNN, such as anchor Brianna Keeler, who criticized Biden's use of the Marines as props. That, honestly, the red light on that brick wall and those two Marines standing there, it made it appear, it made it look like exactly what we're saying 
is, I'm not going to say it's probable, but it's likely that there will be a play by this administration to take further control of the United States of America. I just think it's happening. I think we're watching it. I think we're, we're living it. When we come back from the break we're taking in just a moment, we're going to talk about what else the White House press agency had to say about the pro-life meeting and people that are pro-life. That's a place that they've got to go if they plan on taking over the government because that is a firebrand of opposition in the nation. It's nasty. And they're going to try to use that and militarized that very thing, got that information after this. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800-plus cities. Square Packages, the packaging specialists, are proud to present a box on both your houses. The untold story of the invention of the box and the family rivalry that nearly destroyed it. It's a tale about opening your heart, finding acceptance, and inventing the most efficient means of shipping and packaging that mankind has ever known. Proving that to find what's in your soul, you have to look outside the box and into another box, which is a house your home. And that truly is the greatest box of all. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 for this once-in-a-week-time television event, A Box on Both Your Houses, presented by Square Packages, the packaging specialists. You're fighting back the tsunami of ignorance with Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. And there's plenty of stupidity to go around. And what did that uh, brilliant man from the movie say? You can't fix stupid. And there's a bunch of it around that is irreparable at this particular point. White House Press Secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre. She's kind of in the epicenter of all the controversy. She fielded questions before Biden's primetime address last night about the attack on our democracy thing. Biden referred earlier to support for Donald Trump as semi-fascism and the White House backed his attacks on MAGA Republicans as extremists. I still don't get how they can alienate 72 million Americans that voted for Donald Trump. Of course, they're saying they've got to label everybody. I mean, it's all about identity politics. they got to put a brand on you. If you voted for Trump, you're a MAGA Republican and you're an extremist. 
Two days ago, Jean-Pierre defended the Biden administration's rhetoric when she accused every Republican of tacking the fundamental rights of Americans, like the right to abortion. A reporter asked her yesterday if the administration saw the pro-life movement as fascist. She responded that the Republican position on abortion was not in line with the majority of Americans and that the pro-life view was an extreme agenda that meant taking away rights and freedoms. Of course, they didn't mention the rights of an unborn child. They have no rights, according to Democrats. They're not alive. The reporter followed up, pointing out that the Supreme Court said that abortion is an issue to be decided democratically in state legislatures and asked, would it be extremist or semi-fascist for Americans to do that, working through a state legislature or Congress? Jean-Pierre replied, the laws Republicans are considering, such as a national ban on abortion or banning abortion even in cases of rape and incest, were extreme. She also defined extremism as a state of being in disagreement with the political majority. So let me ask you this. Does that mean, let's just say Donald Trump comes back and he wins the 2024 election and he's president. So according to Jean-Pierre's and the Biden administration's uh, definition of extremism, Wouldn't that then mean that all Democrats are extremists? All Democrats are semi-fascist because then Republicans would be in control. None of this makes any sense. And that's why I firmly believe there is an agenda and the agenda is to take over things in the lives of Americans that we just we just take, we, we look at it as there's no big deal. They have been trying to very quietly take control of everything in our lives, starting with our children. They think they've got the government in place, and they may have. I don't know. So she was asked about that presidential thing about the semi fascism and what was that all about and who does that apply to? She took the time to condemn MAGA Republicans as a threat to America, but she claimed she wasn't trying to make a blanket statement about the whole party. She specifically, she named people that she says are extremists. Representatives Marjorie Taylor Greene, a Republican from Georgia, Paul Gosar, Republican from Arizona, Madison Cawthorn, Republican of North Carolina, and even Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Here's a quote. The president thinks that there is an extremist threat to our democracy. The way that he sees it, the MAGA Republicans are the most energized part of the Republican Party. No conversation about the burning and plundering a massive part of Minneapolis by BLM. No conversation about a year of almost every night in Portland, Oregon, Antifa actually attacking people. One person was killed, but night after night, burning, 
tearing the city apart. No mention of that. No mention of any extremism there. And of course, they never went after them. They had to find a boogeyman. And so who's the boogeyman? Well, it began with parents at school board meetings. How dare those parents and come in and question the curricula that we, the fascist government, the real fascist wannabe government, what we say. And so we got to label them. The attorney general writes a letter to the FBI basically saying, you need to look into across the nation in cooperation with local law enforcement, but you need to be carefully watching these school board meetings where these parents are beginning to get in the faces of these elected um, educators. Some are educated, but some of them are parents too, but they're elected. And we think these parents may be guilty of domestic terrorism. The attorney general labeled anybody, any parent that disagrees with what's being shoved down the throats of their kids. If you disagree, you're a domestic terrorist. You have Representative Paul Gosar, she said. He's posted videos depicting him attacking the president and members of Congress. She rehashed Gosar posting a doctored clip that resulted in the House censoring him and taking away his committee assignments. Then you have Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene who has publicly expressed support for shooting prominent Democrat elected officials and suggesting physically assaulting transgender school officials. She mentioned of the twice-swatted representative. And then you have Madison Cawthorn, has said falsely if our election system continues to be rigged and continues to be stolen, then it's going to lead to one place, and that's bloodshed. And just last week, yeah, Governor Ron DeSantis suggested that Dr. Fauci should be physically assaulted. And former President Donald Trump has done the same many, many times, she whined. But she was pretty careful not to step on the same basket of deplorables that Hillary Clinton ran during her presidential campaign against Trump. She finished by saying, well, let me be very clear. It's not just Republican leadership. It's not just that blanket. He's talking about an extreme, extreme portion, like extreme part of the party. This is not a blanket statement. This is calling out what we have seen for some time. But she didn't clarify any concrete difference between the extreme, extreme, extreme Republicans and what the president believes a standard, non-extreme Republican looks like. Never get any details. It's identity politics at its worst, brand somebody, call them something, blame them for something that they may not be guilty of, but if you say it loud enough and say it enough times, the American people are going to begin to believe it, just like those German people did. It was okay for Adolf Hitler to take over all the newspapers in Germany, every newspaper, Every newspaper's content every day was written by Goebbels in the Nazi party. That was okay. The people thought that was okay at first. Why? 
because there were these people that were saying things that they disagreed with. So because I disagree with you, anything you say has got to be censored. We're inches away from that happening to us today. So there's other news out there. New York Times today, they mourned the death of the defund the police movement. And they warned this morning, Americans will regret rejecting the defund the police movement. Defund the police is dead. Now, what? And penned by left-wing opinion columnist Charles Blow, Blow claimed both the slogan and the substance of the slogan of the defund the police movement appear to be dead. Its opponents beat it to death. Not that that, it was ever wildly popular. So he cited an October Pew poll that found support for reducing spending on the police had fallen significantly. The number The numbers have always been low, he said. He also cited a Pew analysis from this week that indicated uniformity among black Democrats and black Republicans on the issue, noting that the 2020 underperformance of Democrats was blamed by party leaders in part on the defund the police movement. Blow argued that Republicans believe it harms Democrats who are now running scared from the slogan. He then admits that less public appetite for doing anything that might reduce a community's police presence came as violent crime began to rise. According to Blow, such attitudes culminated in Joe Biden's Safer America Plan speech this week, whereby Biden said, when it comes to public safety in this nation, the answer is not defund the police. It's fund the police. It was the capstone in the crusade against the defund movement, possibly the gravestone of the movement itself, Blow said, adding that it was a mere echo of the president's position during a State of the Union address. Though the author expresses his belief that redirecting some of the money police departments receive toward other services is a good idea, and that continuing to pour money into a system that is on many levels broken is a bad idea. It, it, it just boils down to this. If you don't like what's going on in the, in the police force, change it. Make the changes. I mean, aren't people that are elected to serve in offices, aren't they elected to manage, to manage the operation they were voted to handle? Make them do their jobs. If they don't do their jobs, fire them and get somebody to replace them. That's the epitome of the government of the people, by the people, and for the people. If we don't step in and exercise rights like this, they don't have to take them away. They just let the continuation go that you don't care about those things. And so, oh, well, we'll just do what we want to do. We get so busy in our lives and what we do. We miss so many things. We take so many things for granted. 
we're going to pay a price. And I, I got to be honest with you. I think we're right in the middle of the beginning of paying that price right now. And I don't think it's going to be very pretty. I really don't. And I don't know if it's gone too far or not for us to get a handle on it and stop it and get it back. I would have never, if you had told me in November of 2020, maybe days after the election, if you had told me then that, hey, in 18 months, Joe Biden is going to turn this entire nation around socially, economically, militarily, foreign policy, going to turn it around. Everything that Donald Trump did will be gone. If you had told me that, I would have laughed you out of wherever we were talking about it. I knew that Joe Biden or any other Democrat, if they won, they would undo some of the Trump things. But I did not think they would be so bolden to just go after and undo every one of them, or they've tried to. And the only ones that they haven't undone are the ones that they can't get authority from Congress to do. Everything else, they've turned it around. Look at the nation. Look at the crappy situation we're in because of what Biden has done. Do they think the American people are blind to that? I mean, where they have lost it, is right in the faces of all Americans. It's impacted every single American, and not just once, but every day, all day long. We can't afford a gallon of gasoline. We can't afford groceries if we can find them. We can't afford to buy a home, which we had planned to do, We can't get a reasonable mortgage now because of inflation that came from Biden policies. So what is this all about? Democrat Representative Elaine Luria of Virginia. Yesterday, she said the Inflation Reduction Act, you remember it was passed back in August. It's one of those of the $7 trillion that we don't have that Joe Biden is spending. It passed in August. It was more about environment than addressing the inflation. The Inflation Reduction Act. It was more about environmental issues than it it did addressing inflation. It's a huge environmental bill that includes a lot of things such as tax credits necessary to make those kinds of developments, she said, It was great being with local labor, environmental, and community leaders today in Chesapeake to highlight the investments being made in the offshore wind industry and workforce in coastal Virginia, she said. President Biden signed that act into law on August 16th. The legislation is loaded with green energy provisions, including a $7,500 tax credit for electric vehicles, and expanded the EPA's control over the energy industry in response to a Supreme Court ruling. The legislation also increased the budget for the IRS by $80 billion. $80 billion, allowing the tax agency to hire another 87,000 agents. 
Now, let me, let me just blow your mind. It is now confirmed the Biden administration, since its inception, has regularly coordinated with Facebook and Twitter to censor users like you and me. Dozens of federal officials across multiple agencies within the Biden administration, dozens communicated extensively with social media companies to discuss what they wanted coordinated in the way of censorship of information. Now, this is coming from internal documents released by Republican Attorneys General Eric Schmidt of Missouri and Jeff Landry of my state, Louisiana. Officials when the DHS and the Department of Health and Human Services sent emails to employees at Facebook and Twitter to flag instances of alleged misinformation and providing talking points to counter alleged false narratives spreading on the platform. Government officials would occasionally initiate this activity with one message from a CDC official that requested monthly meetings with Facebook to plan debunking strategies and a White House official requesting the removal of a parody Anthony Fauci account. So what is this they're they're doing? They're already doing this. What is it? It's an attack on the First Amendment. They're wanting to control Everything you and I say, everything you and I write, everything. And they're going to portray this as protecting the attacks on democracy that you and I, in our disagreement with the Biden administration, we're attacking democracy. And they've got to find a way to shut it down. One collection of emails show that Facebook staff collaborating closely with staff at Health and Human Services to remove Facebook groups with one message describing the collaboration as critical. Staff from the CDC discussed setting up regular chats with Twitter, and Twitter invited White House staff to be briefed on their efforts relating to vaccine misinformation. I know our teams met today better understand the scope of what the White House expects from us on misinformation going forward. That was in an email from Facebook staff to HHS staff states. In our previous conversations, I've appreciated the way you and your team have approached our engagement, and we have worked hard to meet the moment. We've dedicated enormous time and resources to fighting this pandemic and consider ourselves partners in fighting the same battle. Documents produced by the DOJ reveal a connection between 45 federal offices at the DHS and the HHS and social media giants, with the social media companies disclosing connections to officials in the White House and U.S. Election Assistance Commission, among others, according to Schmidt's press release. The administration has allegedly refused to disclose the connections of the highest-ranking members citing executive privilege. That's according to the press release. They're in our eyes. They're in our ears. 
If you like a line of programming and you've got Netflix or Prime or any of the other pay operations, I promise you they're already editing the content of those movies. They're deciding which ones can be run, which ones can't. And they're pushing these big media companies who are in total compliance with what's going on. They support it wholeheartedly. And this is the United States of America. This is the greatest country on the planet. I'm beginning to say we've got some issues and I don't know that we can overcome them. We're going to try. Every red-blooded American needs to try hard to get and stay on that hard line of real democracy and representation and demand that our government does exactly what constitutionally it says. You're fighting back the tidal wave of deceit, lies, spin, and ignorance with TNN, the Truth News Network. Long live the courageous, the tenacious, the ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good, the helping hand, those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram. Proven to last. during the break talking about our rights Americans rights we have the right to this the right to that we need to understand and we need to act this out in our lives as we're contemplating moving forward what our government is going to try to do and why they work for us to start off with you don't work for them and secondly government of the people means just that We have the rights to direct what happens in government by electing those people that we pick that we believe will do the jobs that they're supposed to do. I got a text from James, and he said this, our rights are just like muscles. If we don't use them, they go away. That's a deep, deep point that is very truthful in this mess that we're contemplating how to get through it. We're basically just saying we're trying to understand it, yet alone get through it. We don't know what that entitles. Now, let me just blow your mind about another thing. President Biden's IRS 
they gave a huge number of prison inmates at least $1.3 billion in COVID-19 stimulus checks. There are more than 1.1 million incarcerated individuals who took in the stimulus money. That's according to the IRS and data provided to the free beacon that we popped as part of Biden's $1.4 trillion American Rescue Plan. $1.3 billion. Those incarcerated who got the money include roughly 163,000 people serving life sentences with no parole. You figure that one out. Democrats had every opportunity to stop taxpayer dollars from going to convicted criminals. Mike Police, who's federal affairs managers for the Americans for Tax Reform, a group seeking to lower federal spending, said he continued instead Democrats blocked a Republican amendment that would have prevented inmates from receiving stimulus payments and sent up to $1,400 checks to more than one million incarcerated criminals. The American Rescue Plan was signed by Biden in March of 2021 in order to provide relief to Americans in the middle of the economic fallout of the COVID pandemic. Americans earning 75 grand or less per year were eligible for a $1,400 stimulus check under the plan, and married couples filing jointly earning $150,000 or less were eligible for a $2,800 check. Now remember, Republicans overwhelmingly opposed the stimulus package, claiming that its price tag was way too high. Republican senators backed an amendment put forth by Louisiana Senator Bill Cassidy, which Democrats rejected that would have blocked prisoners from getting stimulus checks. Individuals were not denied economic impact payments solely because they were incarcerated. This comes from the IRS. Why? Why would they send money? Why would they think it was something that needed to happen? These were people that the lives that they're in and they're living every day, they don't need any additional money to live the life that they, by their actions, have chose to live in especially the lifers. What the heck? I just don't get that. And by the way, it's unclear how many inmates that are facing the death penalty got stimulus checks. A spokesman for the IRS said the agency doesn't track the information related to incarcerated individual sentences. Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton, he's raised concerns in 2021 about the fact that under the plan, prisoners would get the money, slamming the idea that someone like Sarnev, one of the 2013 Boston Marathon bombers, would get 1400 He ended up raking in 1400 in connection. The Boston Herald reported that back in January of this year. The Democrat Party is drunk with power, and their reckless billions in spending continued to funnel out of the United States Treasury with little to no guidance. The Treasury Department wouldn't respond about this. I wonder why. I mean, I would love to have somebody from the U.S. Treasury on our show so that we could talk to and ask them some of these questions. It just doesn't make sense. 
It absolutely doesn't make sense. But believe this, none of this is accidental. None of it is. It's all planned. It's all very well structured. And the way they are doing it and the timing in which they're doing it, it's very obvious this has been being planned for a long time. Now, Jean Perry, Corinne Jean Perry, White House press secretary, she's all over the place. And she gets up in front of those press people. And I just got told our audio is fading. Let me take a look at this and see what's going on. Testing one, two, three. Hmm. Nothing's changed. I don't know why our audio has gotten a little bit lower. Sorry about that. Let me uh, let me just fiddle with the masters just a little bit here. It's coming back up. I can hear it in my headphones. I don't know what that was about. I guess the signal. And let, let me just tell you this. If you're new to the show, uh, you may not have heard how we operate. This is a streaming show, which means we produce it in the studio. And there's one end spot where it's mixed, every element that's in the show. Uh, my voice, the audio bites that you hear, people on the phones, and then, of course, the, um, the stories that we tell. All of those are segments, and we edit those live. And there's one output, and that output goes to Broadcast Matrix in Seattle. But here's how it gets there. From our office... It, uh, it goes to a satellite outlet here in Shreveport, Louisiana. It's beamed up and then beamed down to Dallas. And then from Dallas, it's beamed up and then it's beamed down to Seattle where Broadcast Matrix is located. And then they disseminate it to 92 countries through satellite transmission from Seattle. So in the middle of that process, I think it's reasonable for there to occasionally be a volume problem. James, thanks for the notification. And by just listening to it, I can tell that it, it went back up. You know, we're just regular people, folks. Um, we're not the big networks. We're Truth News Net. And we're a small operation, but we're very focused and very committed. I don't think many of you understand what's involved in doing prep for a two-hour show five days a week. It's a lot of work there. And we do it because we love it, and we think we have a responsibility to use our resources to get as many people informed with facts about things that are going on around us because there are so many people out there that are shopping facts that are deadly. They're not true. They're hurtful. And they don't need to be involved in it. But we don't tell people, you need to do this or you don't need to do that. What we tell you is we're going to give you the information that we uncover about any and all important things. And when we get that information, if it's bad or if it's good, we're just going to give it to you and let you, looking at it from your perspective, let you make the decision about what to do or not to do about any of this. When we had the little 
network volume problem, we were talking about Corinne Jean-Pierre, Border Patrol agents are accusing her of lying when she stated that illegal migrants don't just walk over the border. Two agents and their union's president have accused the White House press secretary of lying when she claimed they didn't walk over the border. Jean-Pierre said on Monday that migrants weren't walking over the border into the U.S. in a tense exchange with reporter Peter Ducey. Ducey asked why the unvaccinated Serbian tennis player Novak Djokovic isn't allowed in the U.S. while unvaccinated migrants cross the border and enter the country. There are countless videos of illegal crossings every single day, Border Patrol Council President Brandon Judd said. There is countless testimony from eyewitnesses about the rampant lawlessness, but when the administration was caught in its hypocrisy for refusing to allow Djokovic into the U.S. legally because of his vaccination status, it allowed the press secretary to lie by stating people aren't just walking into the U.S. Two other Border Patrol agents, these two anonymous, weren't authorized to speak publicly. They said they also believe that Jean-Pierre lied. Her statement is just one of the Biden administration's lack of real awareness of what's occurring at the southern border. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, he denied a year ago that there's a crisis at the border amid a surge in migrant encounters and chose to call the situation a challenge. Yeah, two million people coming into your country illegally in just 18 months. Uh, That's a crisis. I'm sorry, it's not a challenge. The U.S. southern border has been trampled over by illegal aliens for two years. The White House backtracked Biden's April 2021 statement to reporters that happened at the Wilmington Country Club that a crisis exists at the border and with the influx of migrants leaving their home countries headed here. But behind closed doors, Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz admitted under oath in a deposition on July 28th that there is a crisis at the southern border. That's 100% what's happening, he said. They just walk over to the border, get processed, sent on their way to the interior of the country. That was the second Border Patrol agent who said that. She, talking about Jean Perry, didn't even answer the question that was asked. She went on to explain there's a plan in place to help it. But that plan is yet to be laid out to those of us on the front lines. There is no plan. If there is, why don't you put it out there? The plan is to keep the border open and let anybody and everybody just come on down. Border Patrol has encountered over 1.9 million migrants at the southern border since October. That's according to agency statistics. 1.9 million. Those encounters are a direct result of the border being open. The millions that have been encountered, arrested, and released did not magically appear at these border towns. The equivalency of the border that is located in foreign countries is strictly enforced by not allowing anyone that is not in possession of proper documentation to fly into the United States. So, yes, illegal aliens are walking 
across the border. And they reached out to the White House. And I know it will shock you. (laughs) Nobody responded. Nobody wants to take this on. Nobody wants to deal with this. And people, they just can't believe that this has actually happened. Another thing Biden did, you remember his famous promise to never politicize the U.S. military after delivering a really high partisan primetime speech last night, he attacked Republicans with those two Marine sentries clearly flanking him in the background. Biden promised during his first visit to the White House, excuse me, to the Pentagon from the White House, I will never dishonor you. I will never disrespect you. I will never politicize what you do. Yet, as the president delivered that speech attacking opposition political party, the sight of two Marine sentries positioned in the backdrop behind him drew a bunch of criticism from GOP officials from conservative pundits, from Marine veterans, by the way, but also from mainstream media journalists. Their view was quickly aired on social media. Republican Lieutenant Governor Winsome Earl Sears, who's a Marine veteran, tweeted, Why were U.S. Marines used as political backdrop by their commander-in-chief during a disunity speech? Everyone should be concerned. Representative Daryl Issa, he tweeted this, the only thing worse than Biden's speech trashing his fellow citizens is wrapping himself in our flag and two Marines to do it. Max Miller, a Marine reservist, U.S. House candidate for Ohio, tweeted this, using the United States Marine Corps' props in a political speech of his nature is truly abhorrent. Joel Pollack, and if you don't know Joel, he's with Breitbart News. He recalled how Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, General Mark Milley, you know, we played his soundbite several times, apologized for appearing with then-President Trump in a walk across Lafayette Square the day after the White House was almost overrun, arguing it had involved the military in politics. My presence in that moment and in that environment created a perception of the military involved in domestic politics. That's General Milley saying that. Pollock tweeted this yesterday. Hey, where's Joint Chiefs Chairman General Mark Milley complaining about the politicization of the military? Can we expect to see a parade of military officials denouncing Biden for abusing the Marines for a political speech? Or is that just when Trump stops riots? Conservative commentator Tim Young tweeted, I thought the military wasn't supposed to be political. Positioning Marines behind Biden when he said his political opponents were a threat to the nation was tin pot, third world dictator, SHIT. And the responses go on and on. Even CNN raised their eyebrows at this. Brianna Keeler, a military spouse, tweeted, Whatever you think of this speech, the military is supposed to be apolitical. Positioning Marines in uniform behind the president for a political speech flies in the face of that. Jeff Zellini of CNN, 
called it a break with White House traditions. We reached out to the Marine Corps, also the Office of the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff for comment on those Marines being present during Biden's speech. Nobody has responded. Nobody has answered. I I think many of them are as shocked as we are. The American people aren't used to this. We're used to unity or at least being able to push forward in positive fashion to get some things done. And uh, that's not the case now in the Biden administration. Just minutes ago, the Department of Justice filed a more detailed list of documents they took in the raid of Mar-a-Lago, including dozens of classified documents and folders with classified markings. Also included a wide assortment of other items, over a thousand documents that did not have classified markings, several article of clothing gift item entries, and hundreds of printed news articles. The list was released per an order from Florida Federal Judge Eileen Cannon as she weighs whether to appoint a special master to check the documents for potential executive privilege violation. The document includes little that was uninspected. A different federal judge unsealed a less detailed property receipt last month which showed that the FBI took several boxes of documents from Trump's property which included various classified documents. Trump has complained publicly that the FBI took documents and items allegedly unrelated to its investigation. I don't know that we'll ever figure this one out. But the Friday filing does what it does. It underscores the massive amount of material the government took from our lago, including many documents that were apparently the property of the U.S. government. Now that what I just gave you, that was an opinion by the writer. It doesn't necessarily mean that's the way it is. The Presidential Records Act technically gives authority and control over that material to the National Archives immediately upon the president leaving office. It is unclear why these non-classified government records remained at the resort and were not turned over to the National Archives and Records Administration as required by law and why they were not voluntarily turned over by the Trump team in January along with about 15 boxes of presidential records in an initial transfer. Same thing happens with every president. Obama, same thing. Clinton, same thing. Bush, both of them, same thing. First of all, a president has the arbitrary authority and is the only person to do it to classify and declassify any document he so chooses. And this law they're referencing, it's not a criminal statute. It's a civil statute. So why and what are they trying to do? They're trying to get Trump. You and I both know that. But they're messing. I don't think they're going to be able to be successful in their quest doing it the way they're doing it. Wow, thanks for joining today. Contentious conversations, very crucial we get on top of all of this. Hey, listen, 
I want you to have a great holiday weekend. Labor Day coming up on Monday. Take the whole day off. We're doing it. We won't be here at TNN Live, but we'll be back Tuesday. See you then. There's a new sun rising.
change my mind.